Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 70 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 70 of Russell's gets underway. Happy Tuesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW gets underway. And it's a very busy week for AEW Dynamite airing on Friday after SmackDown around 10 o'clock p.m. EST which segues into the countdown special on Saturday evening at a time to be announced. And of course, double and nothing going down this Sunday, May 30th at 8 o'clock p.m. EST on pay-per-view and BR Live with the buy-in kicking things off at 7 EST on the AEW YouTube page, the AEW Facebook page, and BR Live as well. So it's a very busy week. You're going to get a double dose of Dynamite and SmackDown this Saturday with the mixer going down for your listening pleasure. So don't you worry about that. But we have to discuss the first order of business, which is Monday Night Raw, which is quite the show to get through every single Monday night. I've said it ad nauseum for the past few weeks, but I have to say that despite the repeatomania aspect of this show, which has really worked my last nerve as of late, that we have officially entered Groundhog Day territory with things happening over and over and over again. And on top of that, I want to old yeller WrestleMania season in the worst possible way. It continues into May, June, God forbid July, when WWE hits the road once again for Friday Night SmackDown in Houston, Texas the night before or two nights before Money in the Bank on July 18th from Fort Worth, Texas and the fallout on Monday, July 19th from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. So three major shows going down in the state of Texas in July. And hopefully WWE presents fresh matchups between now and then because this is wearing Fen week to week. But despite the repeatomania that has infected Monday Night Raw and to a lesser extent SmackDown as well, There was one shining example as to why I love professional wrestling with every fiber of my being. Because on rare occasions, you get to see something special and you see two guys go in there with impeccable chemistry, sight unseen. They go in there and they deliver a pay-per-view caliber match that people in the arena would have went absolutely crazy for in the best possible way. And it showed that if you can present freshness every single Monday night, present one or two gems, one or two instant classics to say, I would like to see more of this and less of WrestleMania season. That would be the greatest joy of all when it comes to tuning into the flagship show, the standard bearer of WWE, which is so not the case these days. But that match reminded me as to why this show has a potential to be good if you allow fresh shit to happen on a regular basis. I would get to the saving grace of last night's show and a runner-up that was marred by a bullshit finish that was expected, which leads to, you guessed it, a rematch next Monday. But the body of the work was impeccable as well. And I have to shout out both men very shortly. But let's rewind just a little bit as we take a deep dive into last night's episode of Monday Night Raw airing live for the next few weeks from the Thunderdome 3 from the University of South Florida. And we kick things off with MVP introducing the reigning defending almighty WWE champion Bobby Lashley 
and his ladies who accompany him to the ring for the second week in a row, which is definitely becoming a trend, but I'm not mad at it with Bobby Lashley flexing his championship gold and the perks that come with it. So by all means, Bobby Lashley, do you and have fun. And I love when ladies collect a check and they get Instagram famous because fans are like in awe of the beauty on display and the diversity and the body types. And I was blown away last week by that. So, hey, ladies, make your money, make your coin for these one-night appearances on Monday Night Raw. We feel for the Raw Underground dancers still nearly one year later after they got canned after a week due to some of the comments from people on the timeline, which is completely understandable as if WWE was going back in a time machine. But for me, my biggest issue was the lack of rhythm and coronation. If you had a choreographer dance them up it could have been a little bit better but they were not given a chance after week one due to the negative feedback of raw underground and the presentation as a whole but for me if it's done with taste and style then you can go ahead and do things that are a little bit on edge but within reason of course and I had no problem with the dancers I had no problem with Bobby and his ladies last night as long as there's a taste level that is palatable in 2021 that the ladies have total agency over who they are and how they present themselves then by all means make your money and make it well because I know their Instagram pages are blowing up right now saying, hey, I want to book her for this show, that show, this shoot, that shoot, and go from there. And having WWE on your resume is not a bad thing. So go ahead and do what you got to do to make a name for yourself. I respect that through and through. So we have Bobby and MVP discuss the dark cloud hanging over their head, which is Drew McIntyre, who continues to cause trouble for Bobby Lashley because he simply won't give up on his quest to become WWE champion once again. And that leads to Drew McIntyre coming out and saying that, hey, I'm not done with you. I want another shot at the WWE championship. Bobby Lashley scoffs at this because I beat you at WrestleMania. I beat you at WrestleMania Backlash. What more do you want from me? And this leads to Kofi Kingston coming out. And Kofi really cut a good promo on Drew McIntyre spitting 100% truth and facts saying that you get shot after shot after shot at a championship you lost a few months ago and I was never due my rematch for the WWE championship after losing to Brock Lesnar nearly two years ago so I thought since Bobby was issuing an open challenge I would hop at the chance and I did not need your help to beat Bobby. I have things in hand. So what you need to do is get your ass in the back of the line and let somebody else get a fair shot at the championship. And as he and Drew go head to head, MVP and Bobby Lashley are eating this up behind the scenes. And that leads to WWE official Adam Pierce coming out to say, I have a solution. It's going to be Drew McIntyre versus Kofi Kingston right after this break, and whoever wins will face Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship at Hell in a Cell on Sunday, June 20th on Peacock. And we have MVP and Bobby Lashley vowing to watch the match from the VIP lounge on the main stage with the ladies in tow as the opening segment comes to an end. So I like the fact that Kofi wasn't happy with the tainted victory last week. He wanted to beat Bobby fair and square and he did not want Drew McIntyre's help which I completely understand and the reasoning made sense because Drew has been getting shot after shot at the WWE Championship and despite MVP's distraction of WrestleMania Drew McIntyre went to sleep courtesy of Bobby Lashley's hurt lock so no matter how long you were distracted you still went night night 
Then at WrestleMania Backlash, that's the game of triple threat rules. You lose when you get tossed out the ring and Bobby Lashley picks the bones. Those are the rules. You can't keep jumping ahead of the line, demanding more title shots. And I love Drew McIntyre, the character and the performer. I've been ride or die since before WrestleMania last year when he won the Warrior Rumble in my very first Raw verdict. I put that man over to no end and I've been very supportive of his title reign. But at some point, When you cannot win your championship back after numerous tries, it's time to move on to something different. And if he cannot win at Hell in a Cell, then he needs to go away from the WWE title picture, get in a secondary feud, because ultimately this was WWE's decision at WrestleMania to not give the fans the happy opener of Drew McIntyre winning the WWE championship to get the pop he was denied at WrestleMania last year due to the pandemic. So if you didn't pull the trigger then, then I have to respect the fact that Bobby Lashley is the guy with the WWE title. And I've been a big Bobby supporter as well. So I was really torn at WrestleMania. So when you made that decision not to go back to Drew, I respect the fact that Bobby Lashley is the man on Monday Night Raw unto further notice. So therefore, if he is the guy, he needs to be booked into a brand new feud away from Drew McIntyre. And that needs to really be the case come July, because if they run Drew and Bobby back one more time with fans, I'm going to scream like a banshee and break every decibel on this microphone. I can't take it anymore, despite their talent. I enjoyed what they did this time last year at Backlash at the WWE PC. That was a great match. And they waited six or so months to go back to it just in time for WrestleMania season. And that made me very happy because we did not see this particular feud run into the ground, but guess what? We're running it into the ground by having it another match, presumably at Hell in a Cell if Drew is able to get past Kofi Kingston. But at some point, WWE has to stop playing footsies with Drew, the championship, and Bobby. They have to go their separate ways. If Drew's not going to win Hell in a Cell, it's time to move on to something new. Build up a heel that we can get behind to boo, rightfully so. Let Drew conquer him in a feud that can last one or two months. And if you want to circle back to the WWE champion when Bobby's not the champion, then by all means. But this really needs to come to a head sooner rather than later, which is the perfect segue to Kofi Kingston versus Drew McIntyre with the winner moving on to face Lashley at Hell in a Cell next month on Peacock. And this... For the time they were given, which was a lot, this was a great match. And Drew McIntyre, despite the booking of his character as of late, Drew McIntyre, the performer, has been sensational. I don't know what's gone into him. He's getting ready for the fans to come back, but he has been otherworldly in the ring as he and Kofi had a really good match. First off, it was new, it was fresh, and they gave me something different to look forward to. And Drew McIntyre, using his brute strength and power to dominate Kofi throughout this match was pretty damn impressive as he delivered an Alabama slam to Kofi on the hardest part of the ring. He proceeds to suplex his dude to no end. Every time that Kofi had a small window to make a comeback, Drew cut him off. He reversed a float over into a vertical suplex. Kofi goes up top to hit a crossbody. Drew's too big to hit the crossbody on, so Drew just counters and hits 
a Michinoku driver with the most extra sauce possible for a near fall. And Bobby Lashley senses tension and trouble, and he tries to come down to the ring as we go to another commercial break. We come back, and Drew is still dominant over Kofi, hitting a top rope, belly-to-back suplex. The insanity is real with Drew's ability to suplex people with the greatest of ease. Kofi did have a brief window when he countered a Future Shock DDT into a roll-up, which was smooth as hell. And Drew kicks out, hit a spine buster and a sit-out powerbomb a short time later for another near fall. Kofi makes a good comeback when he slams Drew McIntyre's shoulder into the ring post and he trips him up. He fights back. He goes for a dive on the outside, knocks out Drew, and in the process, Drew bumps into Bobby Lashley, who's sitting by the announce table as MVP flees from the scene. So we get back in the ring with Kofi and Drew, and Kofi hits the SOS. And then Bobby Lashley and MVP run in the ring for the DQ. This really good match is ruined by disqualification, which makes me very unhappy as we have Bobby Lashley and MVP attacking Kofi and Drew. Xavier lays out MVP. Lashley takes out Xavier a short time later. But Kofi lays out Lashley with a trouble in paradise, followed by a claymore from Drew McIntyre as he and Kofi want another shot at the WWE Championship. And they will have that shot next Monday as Adam Pierce booked them in a rematch on Memorial Day Monday on May 31st. And the winner will face Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship at Hell in a Cell on Sunday, June 20th on Peacock. And I'm really mixed about this because the match we saw between the two was very good. And it's hard to duplicate that twice in back-to-back weeks after a bullshit finish because you remove the freshness of this matchup. I don't doubt that Kofi and Drew can win it back and possibly deliver a better match with a more conclusive finish. But what they did last night was pretty damn good and a decisive finish would have made it even better. And a part of me wishes that WWE takes a risk and put Kofi over because at least Bobby and Kofi is something different. And I really love Drew McIntyre and I love Bobby Lashley as well. And they will always deliver good matches. But WrestleMania, WrestleMania Backlash, Hell in a Cell. Back to back to back. And I just want some freshness in this WWE Championship scene. I don't know if WWE has the guts to give it to us. We shall see. But it should be noted that Adam Pearce has vowed to suspend Bobby Lashley and MVP for 90 days without pay if they even step foot on the main stage next week during McIntyre versus Kingston 2. And hopefully he is a man of his word and there is zero outside interference. One can only hope. Next up is Rhea Ripley versus Nikki Cross. In a two-minute beat-the-clock challenge, yes, you heard that right, if Nikki Cross can survive two minutes against Rhea Ripley, she wins. Rhea wins by beating her in two minutes or less. This was basically a challenge issued by Charlotte Flair, who said she was busy facing Oscar. So by all means, Rhea, face Nikki. See if you can beat her in a couple of minutes. I know that I can. And here is this match in its two-minute glory. And Nikki Cross, let the record state that she is more worthy than a two-minute match. She is worth 20 minutes or more and a championship reign to boot. And she made the most of her time. And she actually outlasted Rhea Ripley because Rhea's emotions got the best of her and at the end of the segment nobody wins because Rhea looks like an idiot for not finishing the job and Nikki Cross 
is happy because she beat the clock, but she did not pin the champion definitively, decisively to get a fair shot at the Raw Women's Championship, which would be something fresh and different, but maybe she can sneak her way into a title shot in the future. But this segment did nothing for anybody. It made Rhea look weak and it made Nikki look weaker because, hey, I survived two minutes, but I couldn't pin the champion. I won because she beat my ass too much. So this was a miss of a segment, even though having Nikki Cross on my television is always a bless at the end of the day. And this was a segue into Charlotte Flair versus Asuka. And when I saw this match pop up on the Chiron, I'm like, what in the fuck is this? With all due respect, I love seeing Charlotte and Asuka wrestle. I think they have great chemistry together. It's been that way for well over three years on and off. But they are dangerously flirting with two feuds that I saw ad nauseum for years on WWE television. The first is Kofi Kingston and Dolph Ziggler feuding over the Intercontinental Championship and a never-ending feud that went on for years. I saw that match too many times to count, and they ran it into the ground. And the second feud is Randy Orton versus John Cena from years ago. And yes, they had a great rivalry that went on forever and a day And I don't want to see it again this century, this millennium, or the next. I'm over it. And despite how much I like Charlotte and Asuka together as a team or opponents, I don't want to see it again. And this was a very good match. And we have Charlotte working over the left knee of Asuka after blocking a hip attack into a chop lock. And she slammed it into the ring steps, into the ring apron. She put a heel hook on it at one point. She was really going after that knee. Asuka fights back with silver strikes to Charlotte. Charlotte goes up top for a moonsault, misses. She lands on her feet, but Asuka hits Charlotte with a German suplex a short time later. They go on the outside, and Asuka does make a comeback by hitting a sliding knee on Charlotte. So Charlotte gets back in the ring, hits that back elbow that is very similar to Andrade her fiance more, and I love the little nods to his repertoire. We got it again. She goes for a moonsault. She misses and hits the second one perfectly. That is also an Andrade move. And I love her incorporation of his move set into her offense. That gives her variety. Now the back elbow needs some work, but that moonsault was pretty damn sweet. And Asuka catches her a short time later with the Asuka lock, but Charlotte floats over and pins her for the win. And despite Asuka beating Charlotte last week, there is no reward for her. No rematch with Rhea Ripley for the championship. I'm kind of thankful for that. But this is a segue to Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship at Hell in a Cell next month on Peacock. Now, yes, it's a bit of repeat mania but this is the one match I want to see again after the stellar work they delivered at last year's WrestleMania at that empty performance center And they were the only two people besides the commentators and the camera people. And they put in that work, had the best pure match of the weekend, delivering aggression and emotion throughout. And Rhea Ripley's been talking shit about Charlotte, but Charlotte can say this. I beat you on my turf in a building I used to call home a long time ago where I honed my craft to be great. 
and I took something that belonged to you, which was your NXT Women's Championship. And because of that, I sent your career and the rest of your year into a tailspin until WrestleMania when you took my spot to win a championship that quite frankly could belong to me. So I have nothing to prove to you, Rhea. You have everything to prove to me that you can beat me when it counts and keep something that belongs to you. So I think that Charlotte has all of the ammunition to really humble Rhea Ripley. And I hope that someone can take that to heart in a storyline to give this depth and meaning because it's right there on the table. We have the tape and the evidence to show for it. And I just really want them to play into that tension and make it good because Rhea is so wishy-washy with this character. She should be a badass baby face, not a in-between heelish person that doesn't gel on this show. I want her to have that moment with Charlotte. I think they will at Hell in a Cell, but the storyline reasoning behind this match needs to be crystal clear from the very beginning. They have four weeks to get it done. It's possible if WWE can think back to last year and both ladies can play into that pass effectively and deliver a damn good match with the storyline support to boot. Next up is another rematch featuring Shelton Benjamin versus Cedric Alexander. And Cedric says, I was kicked out the hurt business by default because of you, Shelton, because you did not hold up your end of the bargain. We were tag team champions. You lost, not me. You got kicked out of the hurt business, not me, because you are past your prime while I'm in my prime. And I have a lot of years left in the tank. How many years do you have left? And I thought the context of what Cedric said was great, but the delivery was amiss because he thinks screaming and yelling equals anger and emotion. No, it does not. It's very grating. And when Corey Graves, who is the heel commentator, says, you know what? I'm rolling with Shelton. That's a problem. So he needs to fix the cadence of his delivery and tone down the screaming that gets very yelly and pitchy and I cannot take it because otherwise he's a great talent, but that delivery and how he screams and shouts, it ain't it. But this match was very good once again, even though we've seen it a couple of weeks ago, but I just love the dynamic of old school versus new school. We have Cedric being arrogant and cocky, trying to talk down Shelton Benjamin, trying to be arrogant with his offense. And then Shelton pops back up with the clothesline and a series of German suplexes like a boss and trying to hit that T-bone suplex. Good scouting by Cedric to block it. He goes for the neuralizer and he misses. And then he scrapes the eye of Shelton Benjamin to get the unfair advantage, hit the neuralizer for the win a short time later to pick up the tainted win. Now, despite the rematches we see every single week on this show, I would actually love a series of matches between Benjamin and Alexander. Dare I say either a best of five or a best of seven, because every match is a callback to the last and they do something completely different every time. And the storyline supports itself in that Cedric wants to be the best and he wants to eclipse Shelton's career. And Shelton wants to prove I still have a lot left in the tank. Don't count me out just yet. Let's humble Cedric and let him understand who I am. And I think that's something that fans can get behind if they can kind of wait until fans return to these arenas. I think fans would appreciate 
the longevity and how great Shelton Benjamin still is and Cedric getting over as his heel that does not respect his past, present, or future in the form of Shelton Benjamin. So by all means, let them tell that story in the ring via a series of matches, make it make sense, and boom, there you go. That's how you tell a story. That's how you repeat matches effectively versus throwing shit out there with finishes already decisive, but then you keep running it back just to book a pay-per-view match involving none of the two people competing at the end of the day. So this is at least central to one feud involving two men with one beef. And by all means, give them all the matches within reason to tell that story effectively at the end of the day. Next up is my favorite match of the night. Quite possibly one of the best television matches I've seen this year and Xavier Woods' finest performance in WWE to date versus Riddle one-on-one. There was no bullshit interference. There was no bullshit finish. This was a great pay-per-view quality match that would not feel out of place at a WrestleMania whatsoever. The chemistry between Riddle and Woods, who never touched each other before last night, was incredible the counters the fluidity of movement how they told the story from beginning to end grappling brittle going for the bro mission going for the arm bar xavier rolling out countering a monkey flip into a suplex was pure insanity it looked like a suplex into a jackhammer midstream but it hit perfectly courtesy of woods to riddle Then Woods grabs Riddle and hits a Death Valley driver on the hardest part of the ring, the ring apron as we go to commercial break. We come back and these dudes are trading shots and chops and punches. Xavier's not backing down. Neither is Riddle. Woods goes up top, hits this beautiful Mr. Dropkick with precision, just knocks out Riddle halfway across the ring. And then we have the great spot of Riddle going for the bro Derek to end this immediately. But Woods flips it over into a power driver. Then Riddle flips it back over for the Bo Derek. And they keep flipping until we have Woods have this dude in the power driver position too with a tree of woe, delivers a drop kick and a high press gut buster to show off the strength of Xavier Woods for another near fall. The power of this man is simply unmatched. So we go back between the ropes and we have Woods and Riddle fighting. Riddle deadlifts Woods from outside the ring with a German suplex that became an exploder as Woods landed right on his head and neck, which was gnarly. And he kicked out as Corey called for the bell, but it was not the case. As Woods fought back and he traded chops and shots with Riddle until Riddle dropped him with an RKO out of nowhere for the win. It was poetic. It was amazing. And I love the finish. And I was in awe of this match. I wanted to give a standing ovation from my house because it was so fucking good. Xavier Woods delivered the performance of his life. He said, Consequences Creed did not come out here to play last night. I mean, to remind you that I am a tag team specialist, but I am a damn good singles wrestler as well. And he did just that riddle. Dare I say this might have been his finest performance in WWE to date. And I have seen his matches on NXT and main roster WWE. This was of a different level of chemistry with Xavier Woods. This was some dynamic 
shit on display. And I loved every moment of this match. I want to see it again and again. This is the rare case of I think they could keep delivering different bangers every time they went out there. And that nod to Randy Orton at the end was a nice touch as well. So this was a treat to behold. I loved it with every fiber of my being. And maybe this match opened some eyeballs in the back to both men. Specifically, Xavier was to say, yeah, I am that tag team dude, but I can be the guy that can be your king of the ring 2021. I can get the solo push as well. And me, E, and Kofi are on equal footing as three guys that can break through and break out in the new day and make some noise. If that happens for Woods after this performance, it's well-deserved because he showed why he is that damn good. He's been exceptional since his return from that Achilles injury last fall. But this was a masterpiece of the highest order. And I don't praise TV matches like this very often. But tonight was a rare case of holy shit. This was amazing from beginning to end. And I want more. And damn it, I demand it from Woods and Riddle. My God, what a match. Next up is the low point of the evening as it was AJ Styles versus Jackson Riker and AJ dominated this match thoroughly. Hit his signature spots, hit the net breaker immediately, hit the Hiroshi Goshi as well. He was whooping ass. And then all of a sudden we have Elias come out of nowhere and he delivers a jumping knee to AJ Styles and Jackson Riker pins AJ with a spin out power slam. Yeah, that happened. It made me very unhappy. And Omos checked in on AJ and then he peeked over the barricade and saw Elias. Elias fled for his life and then Omos thought he was Usain Bolt, ran them both down, caught Elias and he slammed his ass against the LED board. It went sparkly for a bit, but it was nice revenge. But for some reason, we have AJ Styles and Omos feuding with Elias and Jackson Riker for the Raw Tag Team Championship in the year 2021. I am astounded. I am shocked. But here we are. And I wondered to myself a few weeks ago, Raw aired a video package highlighting Lucha House Party. Where the hell are they? (laughs) They are better opponents for AJ and Omos than Riker and Elias. And we saw variations of this earlier this year. I don't need to see it again. The sooner this ends, the better. But damn, this sucked from beginning to end. Next up is... Sheamus, our reigning defending United States champion versus Umberto Carrillo. Very good to see him back after a scary injury a couple of weeks ago. He's fine. Good to go. And this was a muted version of the match they had a couple of weeks ago. No dangerous spots from Sheamus for once, which is refreshing to see. As Umberto Carrillo delivered a great tope to Sheamus against that announce table per the usual great flying forearm from the top rope as well. And... Umberto is putting in that work. He had Sheamus grounded. Then Sheamus reversed the roll up into one of his own with a tug of the tights for the win. He attacked Umberto after the match was over. Then Ricochet comes out and wipes out Sheamus. And Umberto goes up top. It's a splash on Sheamus. And we have the springboard 450 from Ricochet to Sheamus as well as they lay out the United States champion. This could lead to a triple threat match for the U.S. title. I would love to see it. Sheamus being a base for two high flyers 
would be great. But the goal is to get someone over, as I mentioned previously, Seamus is in the twilight years of his career. But crazily enough, he is having the best year of his life from an in-ring standpoint. He's incredible. But I think he should put over that greatness for someone else. And it can be on Bertho Carrillo. It could be a ricochet. It could be anybody that is worthy of that championship. Because when you hit the road, I want fresh matchups. And Sheamus is great. But I don't want him being a gatekeeper for the United States Championship long term. He can be a great spoiler for a time or two. But at some point, he has to elevate someone that is going to be here for the long term. It's going to have the longevity for years to come, which should always be the end goal. So hopefully WWE takes note of that for future reference because Sheamus can offer a lot, but at the same time, he's not the future despite his greatness this year. And now it is time for our main event featuring for the third time in 10 days, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax challenging Tamina and Natalia for the women's tag team titles in the main event spot, which is pretty sweet. We have Reginald wanting to come to ringside and Shayna says, no, you cost us the titles last week and you've been a thorn in my ass for a very long time now. So you need to stay back here, stay in your lane and stay out of our business. And Naya agrees as they go out for their match. And the match is solid as usual as Natalia is the babyface in peril as Shayna stomps on that left arm and elbow of Natalia. At one point, Nia Jax delivers a leg drop for good measure on that arm and Shayna is dominating in control and then guess who comes out Reginald with the shades on due to getting blown up last week courtesy of that pyro from Alexa Bliss and or Lily the demonic doll and we go to break with Natalia back in control of things so we come back from break and it's a pretty even matchup as Natalia finally makes a hot tag to Tamina so she and Nia Jax go at it per the usual trading shots and blows at one point Nia tosses Tamina over the barricade and she's done for the match so Natalia is by herself fending off Shayna and Shayna takes advantage of a distraction courtesy of Reginald as she reverses Natalia's attempt at the sharpshooter into a roll-up of her own. And she has Natty beat and Reginald would not jump off the fucking apron fast enough for the referee to make the three count. But Natty kicks out at two and Shayna is pissed off saying, I had her beat. This was over go away leave he walks away somberly he goes up the ramp and then we have this explosion of fiery pyro he falls back he's blinded once again and that distraction allows Natalia to roll up Shayna again to retain the championship in very anticlimactic fashion and Natalia has to celebrate for two people as Tamina is still laid out over the barricade courtesy of Nia Jax so Shayna Checks on Reginald, says, you okay? Let me help you up. And she says, you son of a bitch. I'm done with you. I'm done with this. I want you, me, in a match next week. I hope you have the balls to accept my challenge. She storms off. And apparently it's going to be Shayna Baszler and Reginald next week. The mauling of Cirque de Reginald. And that's going to be a beautiful day for me to watch because it's a long time coming. And we can only presume that Alexa Bliss and Lily caused a pyro explosion last night. Who are they targeting? Reginald or Shayna Baszler? We shall see in due time. This was an okay way to end the show. Very anticlimactic due to seeing this match three times in 10 days. 
Hopefully, this is the end of me seeing Shayna and Naya versus Natalia and Tamina. We saw it at WrestleMania. We saw it a week ago on SmackDown. We saw it last Monday on Raw. We saw it last night. I am done with this feud. Can we get Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot in this situation for these tag team titles for crying out loud? It's long overdue. The sooner the better, and I'll leave it at that. As Monday Night Raw, despite the repeatomania nature of this show that can drive you crazy. I thought that McIntyre and Kofi Kingston had a great match with a bad finish. And of course the show stealer was Riddle versus Xavier Woods in one of the best television matches you will see this year. My God, it was amazing. It saved this show for me from the brink. The wrestling most of the way through was good with a few exceptions, but Raw still needs to find some freshness to give people a reason to care. Give me a reason to care like I cared about Riddle and Woods, and I will love this show every single week. I love variety, I love great wrestling, and I love storylines that make sense. This has been my rallying cry for almost a year since the day Paul Heyman was fired as the executive director. It ain't been right for almost a year, and it's time to get right with people coming back to the arenas very soon. And I hear the jokes now saying, I'm going to SmackDown, I'm skipping Raw. And you don't want that to be the case. But at this point, it's going to remind me of those days of when Raw was a hot show and SmackDown Live was a so-so show you would go to on a Tuesday night during the end of that USA run prior to the Fox to jump in 2019 and Raw is dipping in that territory regarding the show quality and how it's been a mess for a year or so now and SmackDown being that A show that you want to go see the Tribal Chief, you want to see Bianca and Sasha and Bailey and the Usos and Cesaro and Rollins among others and Roy of Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley and who else exactly? And they need to focus on that. You need to get five or six people hot and ready for the road for Monday Night Raw to make this a hot ticket. If not, we're going to return to where we were two years prior to the pandemic and that fans would sit on their hands and be bored with good reason most weeks because you are recycling shit that is repetitive and boring. Get back to that summer of 2019 when Paul Heyman initially took charge and shook shit up. you got to find a clear voice that can get people over in a good way. The pieces are there based on what we saw last night with Riddle and Woods as a prime example of what can be if you let it be every Monday night. Here's hoping they get the hint in the weeks to come as they hit the road and welcome fans back full stop. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 70 of the Raw Verdict recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at WrestleSoftopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily, recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, and Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Feel free to download past episodes on all of your favorite podcast directories dating back to season one as we get ready for Double and Nothing going down this Sunday on pay-per-view and BR Live. You know what to do. Search Rustoptopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Tuna Plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 19 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's Black and Gold brand. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday, stay safe out there, and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care. 